speaking of the promise made to the fathers that God had fulfilled by sending his son uh, in our confession. We also refer then to Genesis 26. Now read together there, Genesis 26, verses 2 to 5. This is with Isaac. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, though it might be Hard to picture the scene with all the snow and cold around us. Genesis 26 brings us to a scene in a very dry place. A group of tents in the middle of some low hills that slope down to the Mediterranean Sea in the west and to the Salt Sea and the Jordan River to the east. Although Isaac had gone, to a, uh, gone west to a place closer to the Mediterranean Sea. The Lord told him in Genesis 26 that he needed to, to go back to the place, to the land that the Lord had given to his father Abraham because it would be in that land that the promises to Abraham would be fulfilled. And immediately after the fall into sin, as we remember from, from last time, the Lord had promised Adam and Eve that a Savior would come from their line. And then if you look at the beginning chapters of Genesis, as, even as you're paging through, you can see that you can trace that line of promise through the families, from, from Adam and Eve to their son Seth, and then to, to Noah, that's Genesis 3 to 5. And at that time, the Lord added a promise of His everlasting covenant faithfulness and then it continues through Noah. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then the line of promise continued through Shem. And then all the way down through the Shemites until it reached Abraham, who was married to, or Abram, who was married to Sarai. That's Genesis 6 to 11. You could see it as a, a line of promise running through. And when Abraham was called from Ur, of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, he and his family were the church in the world at that time. And they were guided directly by the Lord who spoke with the fathers. Abraham and Sarah, we read in Genesis 26 verse 5, they obeyed the Lord's voice and kept his charge, his commandments, his statutes, and his law. And they were eagerly awaiting a child to be born in their family who would be their Savior. And then we change the scene in our minds again. A visitor to the same geographical region several centuries later, hundreds of years later, would observe that instead of just some tents in the hills, 
There were many towns and there were cities that were interconnected by well-built roads. And although the land at this time was now governed by the Roman emperor, the soldiers who did his bidding, they saw the same hills around them. They walked on the same dirt as Abraham and Sarah had walked. And we confess that these two very different scenes, the tent and the soldiers, are related. The first describes the promises. The second describes the time of the fulfillment when the Lord's promises to Abraham about the coming Messiah were fulfilled. Joseph and his pregnant wife Mary traveled down the road from Nazareth to Bethlehem during a Roman census because of the work of the Lord so many thousands of years before. Jesus was not born in the land of Israel just by chance, but his birth in that land was a direct fulfillment of very ancient promises that God had made centuries before to Abraham. And today I preach to you this gospel, the gospel of this connection under the theme, the Lord's ancient promises to Abraham prepared the way for Jesus' birth. We'll see the promise of land, the promise of offspring, the promise of blessing. You can see when you look at Genesis 26 and Genesis 12 that the first part of Abraham's obedience was to submit to God's plan concerning the land where the Messiah would be born. The Lord's call on his work in Abraham's life would ensure that Abraham left Ur and did not settle in the wrong place in, in Haran and that he would eventually return to the place that the Lord had chosen even though Abram had left for Egypt even uh, during a famine. As God was directing Abram to the land that he would show to him, Abram could see how this was connected to the, the promise of a coming Messiah. And the Lord made this very clear when he spoke to Abram in Canaan and told him, to your offspring I will give this land. The Savior would not come in Ur, the Savior would not come in Haran. The Savior would not come in Egypt. But the Savior would come in the geographical region of Canaan between the Mediterranean Sea and the River Jordan. The Holy Land is called Holy because it was the place in the world that God had decided beforehand would be used for His dwelling place. The Holy Land had become an important place in the rescue of fallen man. And we quickly see that Jesus' mother Mary was only in the land of Israel because God had decided centuries beforehand that his son would enter the world in that place. And the birth of our Lord Jesus came about in a certain place in the world because the Lord's preserving hand ensured that his chosen people would always remain distinct from all the nations around them. And if you go and read through Genesis, you can, you can see how Abram was known by, his neighboring, by the neighboring kings as the servant of the Lord. In response to God's appearance to him and trusting in the amazing promises of the covenant, Abram built altars to the Lord. He honored Melchizedek, the king of peace. He obeyed the Lord's commands and 
statutes. He trusted the Lord with his own life and with the life of his children. In a summary, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen explains that although Abram himself didn't even get a foot's length of inheritance in Israel, his offspring received it as their possession and were able to worship God there. Hebrews 11 also speaks about the land and explains that Abram understood that his sojourn on earth was temporary and the Lord was using him to establish a city without foundation whose designer and builder is God. And the people who were dwelling in the land of Israel were characterized by their love for the promised land due to their faith in God's promise to send the Messiah and the Deliverer in that place, in the land of Israel. That promise of land was was passed on from one generation to the next, and it was kept alive in all God's interactions with his people. You can see references to it in Genesis 28 and 35, in 2 Chronicles 20, in Nehemiah 9, just keeps coming back. And as a result, the faithful descendants of Abraham, whom God used in the line of the promise, were always longing to return to the land, to a physical place on the earth. Whether they had left willingly, or where they were born in another land, or they were forced out. You can think of Psalm 137, where, where they, they just long for Jerusalem. They never want to forget Jerusalem. It's saying they never wanted to forget their Messiah, that promise. They knew they had to be there if they were to be saved through the Messiah. And the promise that the Lord had given to Abraham concerning his plans for the land, it dominated the church's theology and practice for centuries. And by God's grace, after dwelling among the people in the tabernacle, and the temple of Solomon, and the temple that was rebuilt by the returning exiles. The true light, says John, the true light that gives light to everyone. The promised Messiah came to his own and dwelt among us. The Son of God was born in the world, in the, in the land that the Lord had reserved for Abraham's offspring. And we learn that Jesus' birth was not just an afterthought. It was the fruit of many years of preparation. Preparation in which the Lord was seeing you as his people, those he wanted to save through Jesus Christ. And he would do that through the offspring, the promise of offspring. Besides the land, the second important part of God's promise to Abraham was the promise that he would have many descendants and offspring as, as numerous as the stars in heaven. Even though Sarah had been unable to have children for the first 90 years of her life, and Abraham was already 100 years old, the Lord kept his promise. The picture is summarized very beautifully in Hebrews 11, verses 11 to 12, that I'll read. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
And within that multitude of children that arose in the generations after the small families of Abraham and Isaac, the Lord was clear that he would establish his special relationship with the family line of only one of the children. He continued that line of promise. And so Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarai, at first they thought the Lord would keep the promise through their servant, through Eliezer of Damascus. And then later they thought, well, if not him, maybe through Hagar the Egyptian and her son Ishmael. But the Lord says emphatically in Genesis 17, verse 19, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Although God had promised that Ishmael, the son of Hagar, would become a great nation as well, the hope of Israel was to be placed only on the descendant who came from Abram's son Isaac. And the Holy Spirit explains God's decision further in Galatians 4. And if you look at that, you can say, you could see that he was explaining that salvation would not come through, through Ishmael, the son of a slave born of the flesh, but rather through Isaac the son of the free woman born through the promise, so that we might know that salvation comes from God's promise and not from our own works. Jesus was born in the line of the promise that once exist, that only existed because of God's amazing grace and his miraculous work in the life of his servants. Jesus' mother Mary would praise the Lord for the fact that Jesus was born an Israelite. In Luke 1, verse 54 to 55, the text that was displayed as you came in today, in remembrance of God's mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. And before the Holy Spirit announces the birth of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, he first starts with a genealogy, a a family history that emphasizes that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. Jesus was human and like his brothers in every respect, yet without sin. When our Lord Jesus talked with the Jews about his ancestry and his connection to Abraham, and you can read about that in in John 8, he told them that Abraham understood that the Lord's promise of offspring was directly connected to the birth of his own anointed Savior. Jesus said, it's John 8, verse 56, that their father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the special thing is that the Son of God knew that this was true, knew of Abraham's joy, because as he says as well, before Abraham was there, I was, I am. And Paul confirms the connection when he says in Galatians 3, verse 16, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And so we see the gospel is announced beforehand that Abraham believed. 
And this is the hope that the people of God have clung to through all these generations. Not just a holy land, but also a holy child. And though we confess, and Scriptures tell us in Philippians 2 verse 7, though He was God's only begotten and eternal Son, He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of man as the promised offspring of Abraham. And the good news is that so many thousands of years later, we may celebrate the birth of Jesus together with Abraham. We too see it and are glad. Although most of us are not descendants of Abraham according to the flesh, we are among the families of the earth that are blessed through him and through his descendant, Jesus Christ. We see that the third blessing is the blessing of a promise. Besides the promise of land, besides the promise of offspring, the Lord also promised Abram that he would be used as a source of blessing for all the nations of the earth. In Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3, we read the blessing that the Lord repeated to Isaac in Genesis 26. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Galatians 3 verse 9 that we read explains that the Scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. In you shall all the nations be blessed. And as we look at the Scriptures, we can see how these promises were fulfilled. For many centuries, Abraham and his descendants in the land that God set aside for them, they were the church. However, in every age, the Lord continued to make it possible for the other families of the earth to be blessed through Abraham's family. They just had to come to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you look at Isaiah 56, you can see the the invitation. They just had to to come through the temple service. They just had to place themselves under the elders and the kings of Israel, the nation. Hagar could be saved by returning to Abraham when she fled. And the angel of the Lord told her that in in chapter 16. Ishmael was not completely cut off. He He would be saved if he would submit to Isaac. Esau could, would learn that the Lord had chosen Jacob as the one through whom salvation would come to the world. Egyptians, in the time of the Exodus, they had to join the Hebrews in worship. Naomi and her daughter Ruth had to be under the leaders of the tribe. Through the line of salvation, the prom- by the promise, though the line of salvation by the promise was maintained through just one line, That one nation was called to be a blessing to the nations around them. To receive the humble foreigner. To allow the return of the descendants of the other sons of Noah. Even while Jesus was on earth, he told the Samaritan woman that salvation is from the Jews. John 4 verse 22. And it's not surprising to read in Acts 8 that the Ethiopian eunuch had had gone to Jerusalem to worship the, the God of Israel there. 
In Acts chapter 3, Peter teaches the Jewish nation about their responsibility of being the people through whom all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he showed them that they could only be a blessing if they themselves believed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord. And as God worked to prune the trunk of the olive tree, to use the the picture of Romans 11, that olive tree that was the nation of Israel, he purified his holy nation so that they would be ready to receive the families of the earth that the Lord had promised to Abraham and who would enter his covenant through their faith in his promised offspring, Jesus Christ. As genuine descendants of the flesh of Abraham were cut off for disobedience and Gentiles were grafted in to join the faithful Israelites in their common faith in Jesus Christ, it became clear that the true descendants of Abraham were those who shared in the faith of Abraham. And the gospel message for us today is that the blessings promised to the whole world through Abraham and his offspring can be enjoyed by us today in Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3, verse 14, we read that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham comes to Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. When Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, he invited her into the covenant relationship with God through faith in him. Philip directed that Ethiopian eunuch to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the very passage of Isaiah that he was reading and then baptized him beside the road where they were traveling. So who are the children of Abraham that his great offspring, Jesus Christ, came to save? If you look at Hebrews 2, it says that he came to save the children of Abraham. Who are those children? In Galatians 3, the Holy Spirit tells us in verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And then again at the end of the chapter, looking at verses 26 and 27, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then verse 29, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. As heirs, we who are here today also receive the benefits, the the blessings in Christ's work that had been promised to Abraham. As again we read repeatedly in Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then again in verses 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. And then again in verse 22, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And that whole connection, the tents and the dry country, that same land now invaded 
by Romans all the way to cold and snowy Edmonton. The line of promise, the line of hope in Jesus Christ. And today we can see the fruit of Jesus' work that he did as Abraham's offspring and as our brother. And we praise God that Shane and Kristen Duker and Peter and Heidi Van Beek may be counted among the children of Abraham because of their faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord used the words families in Genesis 12. That all the families of the earth may be blessed. We sang that in Genesis or in Psalm 22 and Psalm 96 as well. And he used the word families to make it clear that he continues to bring that blessing of salvation in Jesus Christ to the world through believers and their children. As children of believers, Jackson and Naomi have received amazing promises from the triune God today confirming that they are among the families of the earth that are blessed through Abraham and his offspring, Jesus Christ. They may be among the covenant people of God who will be raised up in the faith of their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and great-great and great-great-great-great all the greats you need to get you to Abraham and Sarah dwelling among the low hills in the land east of the Mediterranean Sea. And so when we sing about the oath sworn to Abraham, we are singing about God's everlasting covenant and the fulfillment of all his promises in Jesus Christ, in the birth of Jesus Christ. And yes, we continue to celebrate the connection between Abraham and Jesus and our Lord Jesus and us today. We continue to celebrate the ancient promises that prepared the way for the coming of the Son of God, the amazing providence of God throughout the centuries, the human nature that the Son of God took upon Himself as a descendant of Abraham and the blessings that we may share in because of His amazing grace. It makes us think of Matthew 8, verse 11, when the Lord Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. It'll be an amazing day when believers from all ages come from the east and the west and recline at table, at the table with our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Amen.